Well, how's it going, everybody? All right, we awake? Good morning, everybody. Morning. Good to be with you. My name is Ryan Alexander, and uh, this is my wife, Jen Alexander. We're going to be giving the message together this morning, uh, but it is really, 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 really good to be with all of you, both of our campuses, those of you who are joining us live or later online, and uh, it is kickoff for fall. And I don't know that I've ever been more excited to kick off the fall and kick off the church year than I am this year. Um, And it's not just because it's uh, the kickoff of football. All right. Oh, that's exciting too. Amen. Okay, a few of no. you, uh, not for her, but, uh, but really excited. I feel like we're, we're at the tunnel just ready to charge out as a church uh, to get this new season uh, started. So it's time to get rolling in just a moment. But first, I'm going to invite our ushers, our volunteer ushers to come forward to receive our offering as we continue to worship uh, through the giving of our tithes and offerings. It is an act of worship. And I know some of you give electronically. Thank you. That's helpful. So as you pass the basket, just wink at the person next to you. And that means I give electronically. Okay, so a little bit weird, but it'll help. Uh, but, but seriously, if this is your church home, we want you to grow in your giving, in your faithful, biblical, joyful giving. Uh, why? So that we can multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus into the lives of, of more people into more places. Yes, but as you grow in giving, you experience more freedom and peace and joy in your life. So we want that for you as well. So thanks for giving. If you're a guest with us, uh, you are welcome to participate in this part of worship like you are any part of worship, but you're also welcome to just be our guest. We're, we're just honored that you're here. Well, there went summer. What happened, right? It went. <laughs> went so fast, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, for, for a lot of us, I've talked to a number of people, a summer went so fast, but it was a good summer. And uh, we want to savor all that summer was, those good memories, uh, including here at Hosanna. Did you like Peaks of Scripture? Uh, I, I just thought it was awesome. And do we have an amazing preaching team here at Hosanna? I, I think we do. I'm biased, but I love our preaching team. Uh, they hit it out of the park every week. Uh, of this uh, summer series, uh, but I hope you had a good summer, had some good memories in there, uh, maybe some ups and some downs, some peaks and valleys, uh, but, uh, but I hope there were some good memories to savor. We had a good summer, didn't we? I we think. had a wonderful yeah. summer. I just, somebody just asked me, I said, I think it was our favorite, my favorite summer yet, especially with our kids. We don't have a toddler anymore. Isn't that amazing? Like how you can just get your head up and enjoy your surroundings because you're not keeping somebody alive all the time. (laughs) So, um, you know, we had a really good summer here in Minnesota. We're nine years into being Minnesotans. And how's it going? And um, so we, I think, are starting to figure it out, you know, that the way you survive winter is to be outside every second of the summer that you can. And so we did, you know, we swam in the lakes and we went to the parades and we had, um, you know, time with our neighbors. It was just a lovely summer. And then we just got back. We take an annual trip out to Washington State where we're both from. Um, Both sets of our parents are there. So that's where the grandparents are and all of our siblings and our cousins. And so um, every summer we go out there as a family. We tell our kids, you know, we work a lot on weekends, but in the summer we get to do this epic trip. And and there's a picture of us going to the Space Needle this year. This is the first First time as a family that we went up in that. And if you ever go out to Seattle, that is a must. The view from up there is just extraordinary. We used it to celebrate our 13-year-old's, or our oldest son's 13th birthday. And so we had a beautiful, beautiful time and hope that you did too. But we also want you to know that uh, every time we go out to Washington, though we love it there and that's where our family is, that's not home for us anymore. This is home. And we were really looking forward to coming back to our friends and our schools and our neighbors and all those things. But we were most looking forward to coming back to you, coming back to you as a church. We just love you people and we love what the Lord is doing and we love being part of it. So 
Yeah. Um, and really, we just are sincerely so excited about the plans for, of the mini-series that are ahead of us this year, and, and particularly that we get to kick off with this one called Why Church? Um, I was thinking this week as we were preparing that this is kind of a funny title to bring before a group of people who are at church, you know, or streaming online. It's like, it would be like we're standing in the shower and asking, why bathe? You know, I mean, it's, you're here, so you, you know why church. But um, I think that all of us just need some times to be reminded why we do what we do. And particularly, why do I, you know, get up? Why do I um, get dressed and, and schlep my kids in the car and get them here and come to church on a Sunday morning? Is it worth it? Is it worth prioritizing that? Um, we're gonna be talking about that in this series. For those of us who are in the church already, but also for people who are currently outside of the church, this is certainly a question that they ask. Sometimes, like, why church? Why bother? I mean, you have those people in your life. We have those people in our life who would say, you know, what, is, what would be the point of going to a church and, like, going in and standing with a bunch of people and singing songs about Jesus and studying an old book? Like, why bother? There are certainly people that feel that way. But there's a lot of people, and, and you know them and I know them in my life, who I think are asking this question pretty sincerely. Why might church be a helpful thing in my life? Maybe, I hope, they're spending time with us, spending time with you, and they have a sense, like, there seems to be joy that I'm missing, peace that I'm missing. And it seems like people who go to church have more of that. And so I wonder if going to church would make any difference in my life. And maybe some of you are asking that question who are sitting among us right now. Maybe this is your first time at church in a long time, and you're asking, will it matter? And of course, we hope by the end of this series that you'll feel absolutely yes. All the difference. Yeah. Yeah, people are asking why church for all kinds of reasons. Uh, some of the reasons that Jen mentioned, uh, uh, another reason, people are just so busy. There's so much going on. Uh, we can, and we get it. We can relate it. Yesterday, Saturday, we had soccer pictures. We had soccer game. We had birthday party. And that was just one kid. Uh, and so it's, it's, a busy, it's a busy life. It's a full calendar. So where do you prioritize church? Where do we prioritize church in all of that? That's one of the reasons why people are asking why church. Another reason, you know, and this is maybe, I'm not the only one who's noticed this, there's not always the most positive PR buzz out there about the church. Have you noticed this? Uh, there are articles in the local newspaper recently about the decline, the stark uh, decline, steep decline in church attendance in Minnesota over the last 15 years. Uh, that's out there. There's a lot of talk about what the church is against versus what the church is for. And oftentimes that talk originates from people who are in the church, right? Like, we're against this, we're against this. Mm -hmm. There's abuse and scandal and all kinds of heartbreaking, tragic stuff. And so it's no wonder that people are asking, why church? Why church? I mean, the church at times, both in perception and reality, has gotten way off track. I'm never I'm more aware of this when we're in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Because I tell you know, people, I'm from Seattle. I'm from the future. <laughs> When cultural trends work their way in from the coasts, and, and so where's the church in Seattle right now? 3% of the population in Seattle goes to church. Three. And so I'm never, most people aren't even asking why church anymore there. A lot of people still asking here why church, at least they're, they're asking. You know, when something gets off track, leadership uh, gurus and resources will say the, the best way to get back, one of the best ways to get back on track is to ask the why question, to get back to the why. Why do we exist in the first place? And the book of Acts in the Bible is like one big answer to the question, why church? 
In fact, I would encourage you, if you're looking for something to read in the Bible, join us in this series and this month by reading the book of Acts. It's the record of the history of the early church, why it existed in the first place. And, and, and there's a lot of responses to the question, why church in here? But here's a verse we want to lift up as the theme verse for the series, as a response to why church. It's Acts 2, 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So why church? Uh, why did the church exist in the first place? They devoted themselves to these things, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, community, we might sum it up that way, and to prayer. And in this series, we want to look at each of those vertical and horizontal experiences. Vertical, how we connect with God. Horizontal, how we connect with people that the church uniquely can bring. Apostles' teaching, community, and prayer. We're gonna look at each one of those in this series, starting with apostles' teaching in just a moment. But first, I wanna sum up what I, I think the response to the question, why churches? We read it in Acts and, and other places in scripture, and, and I wanna put this on the screen, that the church, unlike anything else, church offers a vertical experience with God and a horizontal experience with others that change our lives and the world forever. If you've experienced the church that way, would you say amen wherever you are? Amen. That's the church at its best. That's when the church is being the church. That's, that's when it's not negative PR. It is this irresistible, positive buzz. People, it's like a tractor beam. People just get pulled into it. When the church is being the church the way that God designed the church to be, it's not just another option on your calendar. It is like an activity, an option that stands above everything else. I don't want to miss that because that's most important. And it's certainly, when the church is being the church, it makes all the difference. It certainly has made all the difference in our lives, that there's been hope and healing and, and purpose and passion infused. And I would not be who I am today. I would not be here today mm-hmm. if it weren't for the church being the church in my life. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I wouldn't want to know Jen Alexander without the church in her life. Me either. I think Thank she'd you. be meaner, more <laughs> selfish. You wouldn't want to be married to her. Yeah. Um, So in this series, we're paying attention to this verse. We're lifting up this verse and particularly paying attention to what were the things that the early church did, that they devoted themselves to? Why did they devote themselves to those things? And then why should we? Why then and why now? And so this week, we're beginning with, with the phrase that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I would love for us just to have a mental picture and remember that the church that we're sitting in right now began 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. And it began as a tiny group of people, a relatively small group of people who either knew Jesus or had heard about him and they began to meet together and to do these things. It says that they met together often. And one of the things that they did when they gathered is they listened to the apostles' teaching. So who were the apostles and what did they teach? The apostles, the word apostle means messenger. And so the apostles were the early messengers of the message that Jesus himself proclaimed. And he actually appointed some people to be his apostles, to be the messengers that would carry his message forward. And so what was his message? This word apostles teaching, that word teaching is actually best translated doctrine because it very much relates to teaching regarding a belief, a belief about God, who God is, to understand God well, and particularly in this case, to understand who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? That's what they taught about. And they taught about it frequently, with clarity, 
Over and over again, the apostles' message was very simply, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is the son of the living God who came to save the world from sin. And every time, as we read the sermons of these early apostles in the book of Acts, every time they finish it with a call to people to turn their lives to Jesus, turn away from whatever your eyes are on, wherever you're putting your hope in, whatever you're putting your worth in, and turn your life and put your belief and your hope in Jesus Christ. Every single time, that's what they proclaimed. Now, they proclaimed it to a couple different audiences, two, two major groups of people that they were proclaiming this message to. First of all, there were the Jewish people. These were very religious people who were really familiar with the, with the scriptures that we now know as the Old Testament. So when the apostles spoke to Jewish people, they used this book. They said, you are familiar with these scriptures. You know the story of Abraham and Moses and, and Joseph and King David and, and the prophets. All of it, they would tell the Jews, is about Jesus. It was all pointing to him. The Messiah has come. You don't have to wait for him anymore. He's already here. When they preached to the Jews, that's how they did it. But there was this entire other group of people in society at that time that had no experience in the Jewish faith. In, in the New Testament, they're referred to as Gentiles, as a large category, people that are not Jewish. Many of them were Greek, and so they, they thought a lot about Greek mythology. And when the apostles came to speak to them, they didn't use the scriptures because there was no meaning for them in the scriptures. But they said things like this. They said, uh, look around you at the world around you. Do you see how beautiful and magnificent it is? Do you know that God made it all? And do you know that God made you and loves you so much? It's in him that you live and you move and you have your being. And he came, he sent his son, his name is Jesus, and we knew him, we walked with him, we listened to him teach, we watched him heal people, we watched him die on a cross, and then we watched him rise again. And I know that's hard to believe, but it is true. The apostles would say, we spent time with him, we ate with him, we spent time with him. Put your faith in him. When they were with those people, they, they said things like, I, we see these idols all around you that you've lifted up because you're trying to figure out who God is. You don't have to try to figure that out anymore. You don't have to try to figure that out anymore. We know who God is in Jesus Christ. This was the message of the apostles every single time. And so if that was their message then, how about now? What does that look like now in our gathering of believers you know, that tiny church, what you read about it in Acts, went from a tiny group of people to a larger group of people and multiplied by the thousands, thousands of people came to hear about this message. And that's how the church was born and is now all over the world, all over the world, the Christian church meets. But it looks a little bit different and preaching looks a little bit different in each of those churches. And so we wanted to just take a moment, especially as we kick off this fall together as a church, to clarify or maybe just um, bring forward and, and, and let you know that there are some things we do very intentionally here at Hosanna with preaching that we wanna make sure that you know about and know that we're doing intentionally. The first thing that I would mention, that we would mention, is that just like then, we um, as preachers are aware that before us every single weekend and, and through that screen, anybody who's watching, we are in front of and speaking to two very different audiences. There is the audience who, who has been going to church your whole life. You know these stories. So when we bring up the Bible, and we always preach out of the Bible, every single week we will preach out of the Bible. 
But when we do that, we know that some people have a vast history with it. You understand it. We say Moses, you're like, he's my boy. You know all about it. But there's also an entire group of people in the rooms and through that screen who have very little experience with the Bible. And so we will very intentionally, we hope that you notice, take time to explain this story and how whatever story we're inside of fits in the scheme of the larger story and fits in your story. That's something that we do very intentionally. Second thing, I I would guess that you've noticed around here, if you've been here a while, is that we have a preaching team. You know, a very common model in the church is to have more of um, a single figurehead who does most of the speaking and then like has a substitute every now and then, okay? That's very common, very common model. Here at Hosanna, we feel really called to have a preaching team. You will notice that Ryan does the majority still of the preaching, just barely the majority, but we also have a group of preachers and we meet together every single week. We pray together, we craft the messages together But we hope what happens is that we end up as a church with a more complete um, picture of who God is and how God moves in our lives and how Jesus Christ has mattered in each of our individual lives. Because we each bring our story, we bring our education, we bring our perspective as a male or a female or older or younger, all those things, and we hope that as a church we end up with a more complete perspective. Here's what we also hope, um, that there would never be someone in this church who would be lifted up higher than Jesus. I want you to know that that Ryan is your lead pastor, but I know him better than anybody. And so I'm the one who can tell you that he is honestly the humblest person that I know. And that is just true. But he's not humble for the sake of being humble. He He is humble because Jesus literally saved his life. And he wouldn't be who he is without Jesus. And so a church that he leads, he's never gonna lift his name up higher than the name of Jesus because Jesus is the one who saved him. And so we have a preaching team that, that spreads that out, that none of us, it wouldn't be a personality-based church, but it would be a Jesus-based church. And then finally, you may have noticed that I'm using even now the word preaching over the word teaching. We do that intentionally too. Um, to sum that up just quickly, teaching, we think, is, is predominantly informational. Preaching, though, is transformational. In other words, teaching is is information, and every preacher has to use information, has to teach in order to make sense, and especially to make sense of of the scriptures. So we, we do a lot of teaching. All the preachers here are passionate teachers. But on the weekends, when you come to weekend worship, when you set aside the time, and you get dressed, and you get up, and you bring your kids here, and you sit down in that seat, every single time we want to point you to Jesus, every single time. Because teaching isn't gonna change your marriage. Teaching isn't gonna, isn't gonna change your parenting, isn't gonna change your soul, isn't gonna deal with all the stuff that's inside of you. Teaching doesn't do that, only preaching does that. Because preaching says the only way for any of that to happen in your life is to turn away from the other things you've got, you've got your eyes on and turn toward Jesus Christ. That is the gospel, and we will preach it every single week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so preaching, the apostles' teaching is uh, what we just heard. And uh, we, we thought for the rest of this message, uh, we, we're going to look at an example, the very first example, actually, of apostles' teaching or preaching that we have in the book of Acts again, the very first message that's given in the church. And it's a message given by the apostle Peter in Acts chapter two. 
And so if you have your Bibles open there, you can go there again. Uh, but it, this message is given on Pentecost. Pentecost has come to be known by the Christian church as the church's birthday. It's when the church started. Uh, the church originated. It's when God pours the Holy Spirit out onto his people, the, the church, and they're filled, they're filled up and they're set on fire. And that should happen with the church today. Right? And so Pentecost was, for Christians, the time when the church really got started. But it was a Jewish, but prior to that, it was a Jewish festival that celebrated the wheat harvest and, the, and God's um, giving, revealing of the Torah or the word to the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, through Moses. And so Pentecost for them was a time to celebrate God pouring out his provision, physically the wheat harvest and spiritually the word of God. And so it's no accident that that the birth of the church takes, takes place on Pentecost as God pours out his provision uh, to the church. And so we're going to look at some, some verses from this, this first, very first. We have a record of the very first message given 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Peter. And we're going to see what, what difference does preaching make. Verse 22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. I want to, I want to stop there for a moment. You nailed him. You nailed him. Now, double meaning here, the, the original meaning in that context, there were some people who, who actually were part of yelling crucify him and the plan to to, to uh, put Jesus on the cross, literally. But you crucified him. That, that's a universal message for us today as well, for, for you and me. You, your sin, my sin, my shortcomings, your shortcomings, our selfish, self-centered tendencies that fall short of what God desires for us, that put Jesus on the cross. That's part of preaching too, Maybe not the fun part always, but being reminded that we fall short, that we actually need what God gives to us in Jesus. We need that. And Jesus is part of this prearranged plan that we just heard Peter talk about. One of the things that preaching does, which is so unique, can't get it anywhere else, preaching reveals plans to us, God's plans, God's plans for our lives. Does anyone want to know God's plans for their lives? You see, the world would be happy to give you plans for your life. Daily is trying to give you a script, trying to tell you this is the plan for your life. But, but preaching God's word can point you to, to his plans, the plans, the plans that you were intended to live out from the very beginning of time. That's what preaching can offer. And, and not, these plans are both the macro plan that God has for our lives and the micro, the specific plan. Because we want to get right to the specific plans, don't we? The details, decisions. I got to know what I'm going to eat tomorrow. But it's got to start with the macro plan. Preaching reveals Jen was already hitting on it so passionately. And, and yet we, we need to stop and, and think about this macro plan that God wants to reveal to us through his word and through preaching. That, that his creation originally, the plan was perfection, harmony, a garden, paradise. 
And yet he created human beings with a free will and human beings in their free will disobeyed God. And in disobeying God, the creation, the original creation, perfection was fractured and fallen. And then, almost as if God knew that was going to happen, he did. (laughs) He had a prearranged plan to do something about it. Jesus, his one and only son, would come to die on the cross and, and redeem humanity, rescue humanity, bring forgiveness for humanity. That's the macro plan. That's God's story. It's a story that you're invited into. Each and every one of you that are are hearing my voice are invited into this macro story of God's redemptive plan for humanity and creation. And now part of the plan is that he is bringing a new creation through his church, through his people that we also get to be a part of. That's the macro plan. Well, what about the details? What am I gonna eat tomorrow? Well, get there. But it has to start with the macro plan. In fact, we will never really know the the detailed plans, the micro level plans, at least the actual plans, the real plans that God has for our lives unless we start with that macro plan. Unless we know the big story that we're invited into. In fact, I was listening and praying about this and I believe God was saying to me that the macro plan, God's bigger story is like the headwaters that every other plan flows from. Every other plan, decision, detail, it flows out of the headwaters of the macro plan that at the center of is Jesus Christ. That's it. And so from there, once we know that, and and then the plans for our lives, the real plans, if you want the real plans for your life, kind of flow out of that, knowing that story. And then we can begin to kind of ask God, okay, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to serve here? He, be, he begins to show us how he wants us to sacrifice or live left, less self-centered and more outward with our lives. He begins to show us those plans. And that's why church, that's why apostles teaching, preaching God's word makes all the difference because you can know the real plans for your life. Mm-hmm. Why God put you here in the first place. And you can begin to live out the, the real story that you were made to live out. Like Tanya whose story we're going to watch right now on this video. Let's watch. Hi, my name is Tanya, and this is my story. At my mom's suggestion, my brothers and I started attending church when I was in high school, growing up in Chicago. To our family, church became a place where we could learn and connect with friends. I could always count on my youth group. They were my core group and helped me grow in faith. Year after year, my family and I were taught to love God and love people. In May 2014, I was looking for a new congregation in Shakopee and happened to drive past the church I now call home. And since then, my life has been positively impacted in so many ways. My relationship with Jesus has grown and I've gained so much as a follower of Jesus. While I've served as a host on Sundays, volunteer with children's ministries, attending trainings that teach me how to be a disciple and led a small group, my faith has increased. My church even helped me find a job through their career network. God has given me so much through church and I've learned to keep it a priority even when life gets busy. 
It's my way to connect with Jesus and my community. It helps me renew my mind all week long. Most importantly, church models the way of Christ for my son. To me, all of this is such a beautiful picture of what the church does for its people. Through Jesus, the church enriches every part of our lives. I love it. Positively. And the fist pump. Let's all do the fist pump right now. Yes. <laughs> you know why Tanya can do the fist pump is because she is discovering and uncovering God's plans for her life, starting with the macro story of Jesus and, and, and God's plan at that level, but also some of the details for her life and her son's life. And we can all have a, discover those plans. And it happens through preaching. That's why church. A church can offer something that nothing else in this world can. But there's more. There's more. Let's look at more of Peter's message here. Verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, the church, just as you see and hear today. Everyone say, see and hear. See and hear. Remember, this is Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. People were filled up and fired up. Uh, they received the, the, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit to do what they could never do as a church or as individuals on their own. But those words see and hear, they had to see it, witness it, experience it, and, and they do in Pentecost and all these miracles are happening. Read about it. But they also had to hear. They had to hear the word, the apostles, teach, the word being proclaimed, preached, see and hear. And when that happens, a power is released. That's the second thing that preaching does. Mm -hmm. Unlike anything else, releases power, real power in our lives. You know, you've heard me joke, many of you have heard me joke that I work on messages at coffee shops and I run into a lot of you and I love that. Please always stop and say hello and, and uh, give me some material for my messages, sharing a story or something really confidential. I'll share it in the message, just kidding. But I will say sometimes, you know, working, I work on uh, my message at coffee shops because the Holy Spirit caffeine, powerful combination. <laughs> you know the real powerful combination though? It's the Spirit of God and the Word of God coming together when preached possesses a power unlike anything else in the world for our lives. It can change our lives and change the world forever. Real power. I mean, we see people grasping for power all over the place in our world today, don't we? But real power, this power that God wants to pour out in our lives can't be grabbed. It's not a power grab. It can only be received. It can only be received. It's not a power to, you know, hold other people down. It's a power to lift other people up, to, for people to be lifted up in our lives, including you. This is a power. It's happening even now as preaching is happening. You're being lifted up in ways that you could never be otherwise. In fact, I just sense it pastorally. There's some in the room that need to be lifted up. That God gave me this verse this morning for you. Psalm 145, verse 14 says that God helps those who have fallen and lifts up those who are heavy burdened. Would you hear that? Let, let God, the preaching of God's word lift you up right now like nothing else can. Hmm. Yeah. There is great power when the word of God is proclaimed. When Jesus is lifted up, it's, it's a mystery 
you know, how it happens, but it happens every single time. And, and when the word of God is proclaimed, it's not just for the group, it is always personal. I love seeing this in the first message that was given. Um, we're gonna pick it up at verse 36. Remember, Peter is still preaching. He says to this group of people, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Remember, that was the outcome of every single one of the apostles' teaching. Know for certain Jesus Christ is the Lord and Messiah. But then watch how personal it gets. Peter's words pierced their hearts, pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? I wonder if this is, if you've ever had a sense of this happening to you when you've been in church, that the Lord is piercing your heart personally, your heart uh, one of the things that, that I, you know, Ryan mentioned that we love running into people from Hosanna out there because there's just so many of us and it's really hard to get to know people personally when we're just bumping around on the weekends. But when we see you and meet you out in the schools and at Target and at Dunn Brothers and wherever we see you, then we get to hear from you. And, and we love hearing the stories that come out of just how, how the Lord has been at work in your life through this place. And one of the things that we hear most often is, you know what? That message you preached last weekend, it was just for me. It was just for me. I swear you wrote that message just for me. And we just can kind of laugh about that. Like, because wouldn't that be amazing if we could write a personal message for 5,000 people? That would be amazing. And obviously, we cannot do that. The preachers can't do that. But the Spirit of God does that. Takes whatever the word is and uses it to pierce your heart and your heart and your heart. And it looks differently for every single one of us, how our hearts are pierced. I love this verse in Hebrews about, about when we hear the word of God, what happens. It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God, as it, as it comes out of the scriptures, as it is preached, it is not flat, it is alive. And it interacts with your real life. And it's powerful when it does. The word of the Lord is alive and powerful. It is sharp. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I wonder if in church you have ever had, whether it's been in our times of worship or in times of hearing the word, where it's feeling like the Lord is speaking directly to you. And, and it's as if he, you know that he sees your innermost thoughts and desires. Isn't that amazing? Those are the moments that I feel the closest to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you know my thoughts. You not only know my thoughts, you know my desires. Like I haven't even shared some of those with people, but you know them and you see them. And that's one of the things that happens when, when the word of God is proclaimed is it gets personal. It pierces our hearts. We hear directly from the Lord. And that makes all the difference. That's why church. Yeah. Amen. I've learned to just say that every time she talks. Amen. <laughs> It'll help with your marriage. <laughs> so the preaching of God's word, apostles' teaching, this, this vertical and horizontal in some ways is experience. It reveals plans. It releases power, real power. And it pierces hearts. And, and that all happens for one purpose. One purpose. And we read about it here in verse 48. Peter replied, 
What should we do? Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long, long time. That last verse has nothing to do with this message. I just like that verse. A long, long time. <laughs> We're about to wrap up. <laughs> but why, why, church, why preaching? Why apostles teaching? One purpose. Yeah, reveal plans and release power and, and pierce hearts, but one ultimate purpose, and that is to turn people to God's promises to turn people to God, to turn people to his promise, turn people to his greatest promise, to turn people to Jesus. That is the goal, that is the aim, that is the reason why we do what we do over this time is to turn people to Jesus who is the hope of the world. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope for your life. Jesus is the only place we can find hope and healing and peace and joy and strength and preaching is to turn hearts, repent. What does that mean? To turn people away from everything else and to Jesus, the word of God made flesh. And that's really the ultimate aim of the church too. You know, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. We're to reveal, more than anything else, reveal what Jesus, the body of Christ, what Jesus looks like to the world. And we get to be a part of that. And so what should we do like the, the early church asked? What should we do? Nothing more than what we're already hoping you'll do. Worship weekly, weekly. I go one week and on vacation, we miss a week here or there. And I feel it. I mean, not, not just we even put a feather in our cap and see who's coming here and see your bright, smiley faces, although we like that, but, but because it makes all the difference, why church? And, and then next week, grow an impact weekend, dive deeper into the apostles' teaching, into God's word, so that you can know his plans for your life, so you can know real power. Come next weekend, ready to dive into something here this fall. But more than anything else, May we turn all of us for the first time, maybe for the 500th time, I can't even count them, let's turn to Jesus right now. And we're gonna respond to him and sing in just a moment. Something behind the scenes that I would think you'd wanna know about as a church is that your team of worship leaders um, has, have been writing together. We've been writing songs together all summer long and you're gonna start hearing some of them this fall. We debuted one this uh, summer and the one that, we, that you heard at the beginning of the service, it's all about you it's all about you, our team wrote. And we would love to finish with that song this morning because it's the heart of this church, that it would be all about Jesus. And so I pray that you are ready to sing that song and sing it from your soul. But before that, can we just say a word of prayer together? Lord, thank you for the gift of your church, your perfect plan. God, to bring us weekly into alignment with your heart, to turn our eyes away from things that end up giving us false identities and and drag us down, Lord, to bring us together with people who love you, to be reminded of who you are and who we are. It is all about you, Jesus, and it's to you we sing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing.